Hey there, travelers. It's been a while. It's your DM Lucas. I'm just here to give a few announcements. So, as I'm sure you've noticed, we have not been releasing episodes lately. Uh, that is because at this time, during the Black Lives Movement, we felt it just wasn't right to release episodes at this moment and push our media when the focus should instead be on the movement. And during this time, we thought about it and thought it would actually be good to try to promote black creators. So we reached out to a few creators and uh, we have about three episodes that we're going to be releasing here. The first one today is going to be from The Control Group. The Control Group is a really funny cast. They're new into the podcasting world, so don't scare them away. And they actually play a number of different systems. So they play smaller arcs, like what we do for each chapter, and then they move on to a new system with new characters and stuff. So not only do you get to hear all these new, fun, and amazing systems, but you actually get to hear a lot of work put into world building, character creation, seeing people just pick up new characters on the fly and just run right into it. It is very impressive the work they do, and I highly suggest you go and listen to more of their work. They play an assortment of different game settings, and I highly suggest you go give it a listen because they're just going to keep coming out with more different ones, and you honestly might find something that you absolutely love. I got to set us an episode of their Game of Thrones arc that they're doing because I felt that it would mesh the best with our audience. And so I hope you all really enjoy this, but I do still have a few more announcements. So just to be clear on the matter, Black Lives Matter. If you want to start yelling at us about All Lives Matter, well, you could just go eat a brick. This has been a long time coming, and a lot of people have had their heads in the sand about these issues that have been facing against black people all over the world, whether it's systemic racism, police brutality, you name it, there have been issues for far too long that stem back to some horrible times with horrible people. Now you're probably sitting there going, but all lives matter. Nobody's disputing that, but right now we're saying black lives matter. If you want to know how you can help, donate. Maybe uh, sign some pledges that are out there. There's an assortment of links. I'll have a link in the show notes of this episode for you to help donate. You can also go out there and protest. The media might be trying to hide the protests at the moment, but they're only doing that because no longer are people being as brutalized. I'm sure there's still stuff out there, but it's just trying to be swept under the rug. Do not let this be swept under the rug. Instead, step up, help out, get out there. If you can't protest because of any reason you're immunocompromised or anything like that, you know, you can help spread the word lift voices help others talk to that racist family member maybe the uncle that says uncomfortable comments you don't have to sit there and have an hour-long discussion about how they're horrible unless you want to but you can at least tell them what they're doing isn't right for too long we just keep sitting on the sidelines if we want to be good allies we need to take action because there was something that was said lately there are talking points and action points and we can talk all day about how we're inclusive or how we're not racist or anything like that. But if we're not actually taking action on these things, it's just talk. There's no actual thing that's going to come about it. 
Now, I want to talk to something that will probably raise a few hackles, but you know what, honestly, you, if you already know about this, great. If you don't, then this is something you need to hear. So we're going to discuss white privilege. Now, you're probably sick of hearing about this, or you're probably it's just preaching to the choir. Either way, let's have a quick little discussion. So you're probably sitting there thinking, but I've had really difficult moments throughout my life. My life has been so hard. No one's disputing the difficult moments that you've had. No one's saying that your life hasn't been difficult. Hell, you might have had some of the most traumatic moments. We're not disputing that. What we're talking about is the things that you gain or that other people lose due to systematic racism. Let's take an example of you driving. You can go over the speed limit. Maybe not by a lot, but if everybody else is going over the speed limit, it doesn't matter to you. You just start driving. So you go over maybe 10 miles. Cop doesn't notice. Cop doesn't care because of the color of your skin. But somebody who's black, or, you know, in other places like here in Canada, we have issues with uh, systemic racism against indigenous people. They will target people based on the color of skin. So these people are actually afraid to go over the speed limit like you do so because you just want to get home a little sooner. Maybe all the traffic around you is moving sooner. That's a privilege you have that you don't even realize that other people are too worried of what could happen when dealing with the police. Someone breaks into your home. You would call the cops. Somebody's breaking in. And then you would try to defend yourself or your family or your property. Or maybe you'd just hide. You know, any, any one of those. Somebody else, a black person, probably doesn't want to call the cops because of how often a police officer will show up and they'll target them even though they live in there. You go out jogging. Not a really big deal. You like to keep fit. Cardio's great. So you're out there running. You run throughout your neighborhood. Nobody bats an eye. But black person goes out jogging. They get stopped by the cops because their neighbors call the police on them. Their neighbors, who they live around, and then they have to prove to the police officer that they live in that house. Even if they show an ID that has their address on it, they have to go up to that house and prove it. You don't. You've probably never had to do that before, unless you were incredibly intoxicated or something. But that is an example of your privilege. There are numerous things throughout life that we take for granted, that we don't even realize, we don't even see. And that is where our privilege comes in. So no one's ever telling you that you haven't had it difficult. And no one's telling you that your struggles aren't valid. They are. But you also are given a better hand. You're given advantages that other people aren't given. And this is from systematic, systemic racism. And this is one of the big, I mean, it is the big thing that people are pushing for Black Lives Matter. So when you're sitting there shouting all lives matter, or you're sitting there going, oh, I can't believe everybody's just taking all this attention and giving it towards black people. That's not the case. This is a moment of proving that there is horrible systems set up in place against black people that's resulting in violence and death and all things across the board that everybody wants changed. So when you sit there and you hear the words white privilege, and your hackles get raised, stop for a second, realize no one's attacking you, and then think about the things that you have 
that other people might not and realize the best thing that you can do is listen. Listen and then help however you can. Donate, call up senators, governors. I don't know how it really works in the states, but I know here we can call up our premiers. March if you can. If you can't, that's totally okay. Raise the voices of others out there and help just wherever you can. The other part I wanted to bring up is that we are looking at extending having guests on. Now, I don't just mean people from the actual play community. They've been wonderful and amazing, and we'd love to have them on again. But I mean other people who want to get their foot in the door. Other people who would love to be on a podcast. Other people who would love to just, you know, play along with the people in Ballad or run through a one-shot. If you want to hear more voices that bring representation, we would absolutely love to have you. You know, whether it is representation of LGBTQ+, whether it is representation of people of color, we would love to give the opportunity because that's what we should be doing is making opportunity and using our platform to help others. So what we're going to be doing is creating a form to make it easy. Maybe I'll have the form already done. Maybe I'm in the midst of making it, but I will have a form within the next week. This form, it will let you determine any triggers that you have, anything to avoid, because we hit on some pretty gory topics, all that kind of stuff, so anything that you want to step away from. Of course, we will be avoiding things like sexual violence, really anything sexual I just tend to avoid as a GM. Uh, we will be avoiding any kind of racism, homophobia, any of that kind of stuff is all out the window. We don't like doing that. And... We're just going to set this up online on our website, and as well as once it's done, I'll be promoting it on our Facebook and Twitter to allow people just to sign up, and then I will be sure to get back to you right away. So remember, folks, Black Lives Matter, and be an ally with action. There's an assortment of things you can do, and we will list a link on each of our episode show notes to show what you can be doing. And we will be promoting Black creators probably for at least the next two or three weeks, and then we'll still be doing it throughout the time. It's just by then we'll we'll probably start releasing our episodes next month. But we will still be promoting these other creators, that, you know, as well as we'll be promoting indigenous creators, just people of color, marginalized groups, because these are often voices that get washed out in the void because there's just so much volume. And we want to use our platform to help raise others up because honestly, that's the best part of this community. Everyone helps raise each other up and that's how it should be. Don't punch down. So take care. We love you travelers. And I hope you're as excited as I am for the control group. Warning. This campaign will contain spoilers for all of Game of Thrones, the series. After the crowning of King Bredman the Broken, there was quite a lull resting over Westeros. For once, there was nothing to seize, no power to be gained, no favors to be traded. Lands began working on rebuilding themselves, and for 25 years this world of fire and ice remained hopeful. Until the United Kingdoms of the North dropped all communication. Soon after, King Bran's stints spent warging became longer and longer. For the past two years, his eyes remain white as he is still somewhere else, doing something else. Tyrion Lannister, Hand of the King, did his best to find a temporary solution to the kingless dilemma. 
He suggested re-establishing the seven great houses, but instead of having them dispense the Iron Throne's wishes, he would want them to work to raise Westeros on the whole. Many of the great houses that sat amongst the Dragon Pit and voted for King Bran remain intact. House Aaron, House Baratheon, House Greyjoy, House Tully, and House Martell. This left two houses to be desired. Tyrion sent out a message to all the houses in the lands and even across the seas, searching for lords and ladies who had Westeros' best interests in mind. These peace talks Tyrion hoped would bring about the best of the lesser-known kingdoms. Tyrion's last act before passing on to the Maker was establishing a festival during these quote-unquote peace talks with a tournament to take place at the end. The winner would be granted a boon of their choosing. Many were afraid this gift would re-establish the wheel many thought had been broken. But Tyrion, passing from old age, believed in a brighter future. We find ourselves in a rebuilt King's Landing, following the stories of the newly established House Oakheart, gifted the Reach from Bronn of the Blackwater, who grew bored of his role as a politician. House Corbray, whom sat and bided their time as Peter Baelish took over the Vale, plotting their next move and House Sunswelter, a brand new house from the city of Bravos, sent over the Shivering Sea to keep track of the wild Westerosi. Can history change, or is it doomed to repeat itself? Welcome, everyone, to the beginning of the Cinders of Winter. I am your GM, your Grand Meister. My name is Dennis Veray, and with me I have... Nicholas Hodge, playing Silas Oakhart and Rufellius Sand. I'm Marcus Strox, I'm playing Marla Corbray and Galvin Stone. And uh, my name is Hadley Singer, and I'm playing Regal Sunswelter and Rogvir the Red. Where we find Silas Oakhart, a big, strong, hulking man, uh, sitting under a tree, and he's been surrounded by... Uh, a few kids, a few uh, errant kids who have just been running around the streets of King's Landing. Uh, they come to see this very tall man and are intimidated by him. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they hear his kind of bellyful laugh and end up uh, joining around him. Uh, as you can see them all sitting down in front of him as he's telling a story of some kind. Shall I tell you all, you children all, the story of how my great, great great-grandfather wrestled a dragon? Ah, they all start cheering. Oh, I don't think you want to hear it. They start cheering louder in anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cheer for Silas Oakheart. My great-great-grandfather of the Oakheart name as well. He was a uh, sergeant-at-arms for an ancient Targaryen. And one day, his dragon decided to get a little uppity and broke free from his uh, chains inside the great throne room. But my grandfather, quick of feet and strong as I, maybe even a foot taller, wrestled the dragon to the ground and pushed him back into his cage before the beast could even open its maw. Uh, the kids are all in awe, but then you see a one hand outstretches from the crowd as a little bit of an older boy uh, raises his hand. He asks, Oi, mister! What's a Targaryen? Well, that is quite the question, my friend. 
Come into the light so I can see you better. <laughs> the kid, really confused, stands up amongst the crowd of kids uh, and walks closer to you. A Targaryen is a dangerous thing. That's all I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kid, once again, just as confused, nods and then goes back to his sitting position. Now, who wants to climb up on old Silas? <laughs> <laughs> As a few of the younger ones begin clamoring to get up there. I start bench-pressing uh, these children. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, like, six kids on you um, when a shadowy figure emerges from behind uh, the tree that you're near. I set the children down gently, bowling some of them into the other ones and knocking them over, <laughs> playfully. <laughs> not, not a monster. <laughs> Silas must leave you children, but remember this. You will always you will always be safe in the shade of the mighty oak. And I flex. <laughs> they cheer once again as you as you leave them. As you've been encountered this man, you you know this man very well. He's been a benefactor uh to your current campaign to get House Oakhart in charge of the Reach. Uh, he reigns from Dorne. Would you mind uh, describing him for us? Rufelius is uh, sort of a, a... The best way to describe Rufelius is that of a sun-baked lizard <laughs> that has been hiding in the shade for a long time um, from from the sun. So he's, he's very thin, wiry, and, and his eyes are sort of dark from lack of sleep, but also from sort of an inward trouble, but you couldn't say that his face wasn't handsome. Something alluring about it. Silas, do you think it wise to be attacking the children? I wasn't attacking the children over rebellious. You and your brooding eye need not look upon me before the tournament. That is exactly what I wanted to discuss with you, Silas. I want to know if you're confident, confident that you'll win. Well, I, I, I believe so. I don't see any of the challenges posing a threat to some old Silas. Well, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that you want to win. Of course, I want to win, and and, and thank you again, Rufelli, for for your for your help in, in guiding me here. And thank you, Silas. You did much of this on your own. I, I feel like some thanks is, is needed. I know this, that Silas Hocott will be a burden to no man. I understand it. I understand, Silas. One day, you will pay a great debt to me. Well, is that all you wanted to discuss? <laughs> You're interrupted by the sounds of feet on cobblestone, as a party of Dornish men... Uh, arrive before both of them. You guys see them dressed excellently, finer silks than you usually see on Dornish men. In front of you stands uh, the current prince um, of Dorne and House Martell, uh, Dox Martell. Uh, Martell. <laughs> There's There is no need for that, my friend. You may stand. Silas offers his meaty hand. You must be a prince! <laughs> Dox is gonna look at your hand, um, and instead of shaking it, 
Uh, he meets you at your eyes. Yes, to look up uh, for that. <laughs> which he does. Uh, I apologize, champion of sand. I have a quite bad history with men your size. <laughs> As he comes in and he grabs your hand firmly, a bit too firmly. Silas pulls him into a hug. <laughs> a, gentle, <laughs> a gentle hug. He says, some of us are gentle giants. <laughs> the Dornish men quickly pull out blades. Um, as you can see, Doc's, what little of his hand has movement from this hug is like shooing them away <laughs> as they quickly put away their blades. Some of us be gentle giants, my prince. I was quite surprised to see Ruthelius using Men of the Reach, uh, seeing to their goals, but um, I can see your kind of heart. Think not of it, prince. This is uh, simply a, a trifling affair. It's something uh, that I needed to spend money on, Ruthelius said. It seems sporting, don't you think? We do enjoy our sports, as uh, Docs hasn't, like, moved his eyes away from Ruthelius at this point after hugging you. I uh, hope to... I hope not to kill the old champion, Prince. <laughs> uh, we believe us at House Martell should be fine, but, um... You'll... You'll see uh, how well you'll do against him. Silas just smiles. This dumb smile. <laughs> As the Dornish party uh, take off, uh, heading towards the main castle. Rufilius exchanges gonna... a glance with Prince Dox. Uh, yeah, there's a definite connection between both of you uh, as he continues to walk by. We're going to shift over to a courtyard not far from here, uh, around some of the lodging that's been afforded to our our prospective houses, uh, where we find ladies-in-waiting surrounding Marla Corbray. Uh, a lot of the ladies-in-waiting are watching... Through a proscenium in the courtyard, you can see a couple of people entering upon horse, to which we see Robin Aaron, the current Lord of the Vale, and House Aaron, struggling uh, to dismount his horse, as he gets a much larger knight to help him off it. Uh, a lot of the <laughs> ladies in waiting are giggling around Marla. Uh, greetings, Lord Aaron. And I want to turn to one of my ladies and say, Get me Galvin, please. She nods quickly and runs off to his chambers as Robin approaches. Ah, <sighs> Lady Corbray, it's such a pleasure. Uh, as he uh, extends for your hand uh, and bows in front of you. Of course, my lord. I'll uh, take it and curtsy. I assume... The last conversation we had hasn't rung true yet, has it? You, we could, we could forego all of this if you would just take my hand in marriage, and I could assure that House Corbray would have great standings in the Vale. Oh, of course, yes. You, you've made your offer known. Yes, that's quite clear. I am um, still considering our delicate situation, as I'm sure you would. 
Of course, of course. I know how tense things are in the Vale. I... I hear the whispers, I see the glances. But... I was only a child back then, and now I'm a man. Uh, as he kind of... He gets choked up a little, uh, and then he nods and um, excuses himself from your grace. It's always a pleasure, my lord. As well do you. Uh, as Galvin Stone uh, approaches Marla Corbray. So he says, um, my lady. And she, like, moves... She, like, moves into him and, like, like away from her, like, lady maids. A little bit probably too close. Like, it's almost improper. So Marla has a, like, bright blue dress. And then eyes that don't, like, match that. Eyes that don't match that level of propriety, basically. And they're, they're more clear-headed. And then Galvin Stone has this huge gray and silver hood that he's like almost hiding behind inside of. He's got a big beard as well. And she says, Now it's clear the tenuous situation of the kingdoms of the Vale. We knew, of course, that if our family should rise up, we would establish that Robin Aaron would either see me as a great threat or more likely ask for my hand as those are the Two things that men do. Now, given that, I've got... I've got enough to deal with as it is. I don't need some Baelish bastard storming the gates, vying for the throne at the Eyrie or some such nonsense. I need you to keep your eyes open. And Garvin says, Of course, my lady. Every single one. We'll now switch over to a carriage uh, that's fast approaching King's Landing. It's ornate and different from anything you would see in Westeros. It's bejeweled, finer tarpings, uh, and lighter horses than you've ever seen. As we find a brand new house uh, in carriage, we see uh, Jaina's son Swelter, along with Rhaegal and Rodvir the Red, uh, sitting within uh, the head of this caravan. As Jaina is practicing a speech under her breath. Would you mind describing Rhaegal and Rodvir a little bit? Of course. Uh, so Rhaegal um, is a very uh, tall, lanky man um, with a very long face and very uh, very uh, distinct facial features, meaning like his cheekbones are out. Um, he's a very pointy person. Um, and uh, Rodvir um, is covered in head to toe, head to toe in a long, almost cloak, just so you almost can't point out his features. Um, he is currently sleeping in the back of the carriage, um, or at least off in some sort of state that is like we can't wake him up from. Um, and uh, I think Regal would look over at his sister Jaina, and he'll look at him and he say. It will go well enough. You worry too much, sister. Uh, she stops her speech, and instead of looking at you, she's staring at Rogfear. I... I... I, I can't believe he's slept nearly this entire journey. 
He's a very strange and awkward man. I still do not understand his musings. It is better now that he has shut up. And that's when he wakes up and he looks over. And he says, Continue to speak! Continue to speak! I have seen both of your futures. It shall not go well. I think, and then he takes, uh, I think he takes off his glove and he just, like, throws it, like, across the carriage at Rogvir and then misses. And Regal goes, Shut up! Shut up! Don't want to hear it! I've heard it halfway through! This has been a long carriage ride! I can't take it anymore! Please, shut your dirty mouth! Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. I don't need to tell you how hard this is. How hard this is going to be. We are from across the Shivering Sea. We are not like these Westerosi. And here we are, trying to stake out a claim in a new world. We need to be as united as ever. If they see a crack, a broken chain link amongst us, they will take advantage of it. I am very willing to cooperate, but if it's not for this faceless demon, if he doesn't keep his mouth shut, we may scare them away. I'm still not quite sure why he came with us. And then he looks over and he says, and then Rogvir looks over and says, You know why you've brought me. You need me. Love that scene. Perfect. (laughs) As your carriage pulls up, how Sunswelter sends up in the little chateau that's been assigned to them. You all know that uh, later this afternoon, you'll be resuming the talks between the the great houses and the potential houses. Uh, these things have already been wrought before, very, very shaky in the beginning. Uh, but a lot of houses have dropped out, essentially. Uh, not out of the race, but out of favor. Uh, with the remaining great houses. You all, in your own time, make your way to a grand hall within the castle. Oh, it's yeah. ornate. It's Everybody ornate design. <laughs> As the, the pillars come up along the sides of the room and stretch inward, it's a, a dome kind of shape of room. You see around you are Multiple seats for your house, along with those in your favor to sit around during these talks. Um, Not too many people, but about, like, five to six people per house. You can see banners have been assigned to each section. So we see the the crescent moon and birds of the veil. Uh, We see the the gold squid with the black backdrop for the Iron Islands. Uh, We see the redfish for the Riverlands. Uh, We see a a black stag amongst yellow for the Stormlands, uh, and a rising sun for Dorne. Uh, We also see other houses um, with newer symbols. We see a house with a half-black circle with a white line driven through it and a white circle on the other side. Uh, This is for House Harwell. We also see another flag that has an oak tree in white amongst a blue background, and the oak tree towards the bottom begins to turn into a sword for House Forester. 
and then we see another flag that has a dog on one side and then a crescent moon on the other uh, for House Pain. What about the Elkhart flag? (laughs) Yeah, describe your flag, please. So the Elkhart flag is uh, the center of it is a uh, blood red heart but from the heart are uh, gold roots that form into uh, like a sort of like a spider's web that form into an oak tree above it that's gold and green and it's on a green background. Like a dark forest green background. Wait, I can't help but notice I can't help but notice that there was a, a house of pain and I can't believe we jumped around the subject. <laughs> this is an established house in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Anybody's continue? Quiet noob. <laughs> and we're gonna jump around uh, to what does House Corbray's flag look like? There's a heart in the center, and each of the two peaks of the heart are being held by a raven. And then coming out of the bottom of the heart is just the hilt of the sword. I feel like we're destined to be together. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, Hadley, if you can describe the Sun Swelter flag for me. Shit, I knew you were going to say something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a um, it's a dark purple flag um, representing the um, the uh, traditions of uh, uh, the uh, Bravos ships the f- that are yeah the f- the free Bravosi people yeah exactly and uh, they're it's completely purple background with a uh, bright yellow sun and in the center of it um what you'll notice is uh it's like a it's like a person in like a snow angel form i don't know how to describe it like they're spread out um like like michelangelo's yeah yeah exactly like that but off the side it's outlined in red Ooh, that's cool uh as a lot of your chattering dies down uh the active members of the great houses come in to this room uh, and sit down in their chairs. Obviously, Robin Aaron for the Vale, Yara Greyjoy for the Iron Islands, Edmer Tully for the Riverlands, Gendry Baratheon for the Stormlands, and Doc Smartell for Dorne. The crew's all here. Uh, as there's a little bit of an... Uh, a bit of a silence, a man stands up uh, right behind him is the banner for House Harwell. You know him as Sir Baroth Harwell. Baroth? Baroth. Baroth. As Baroth speaks up. Well, uh, quiet fucks, aren't ya? <laughs> uh, as you can see, uh, a younger man that looks a lot like Baroth reach up and grab uh, Baroth and bring him back down into his chair. As, uh, Yara Greyjoy, sitting not correctly in her chair, she's got, like, one of her le- her left leg draped over the left arm of the chair. Yeah. Um, and she's gonna point to Baroth and say, I like that one. As, uh, Edmure Tully is gonna stand up. Well, I, um, 
I guess I'll take the stand here. Um, as he steps up, there's a nice little podium set up around the semicircle made from your audience of houses. Um, I guess I am the most senior member of this great house alliance, and I don't need to reiterate why we've brought you here. Um, King Bran the Broken has been deposed of for quite some time, and what with the passing of Tyrion Lannister, much of his council is gone, too. We don't wish to recreate the world before the sacking of King's Landing, where our great houses ruled over others with impunity. We want to create sort of a coalition of houses together that will look out for each other and the people they protect. This is the most eloquent that Edmund's ever been. <laughs> He's really grown uh, in his old age. As you can see before you, we have uh, five of our houses already established. Uh, House Aaron, House Greyjoy, House Tully, as he points to himself and gives a little bit of a giggle. House Baratheon and House Martell. Um, if any of you should hold objection to the old great houses staking their claim, we would surely meet that. As uh, Baroth is immediately going to stand up and get pulled back down into his seat by the younger man next to him. So we are here to find what other leadership we can deign to make sure all of Westeros is protected. As you see, another man from House Forrester slowly get out of his chair, and he slowly gets out of his chair because it's a struggle for him. He's using a cane, which he's putting most of his weight on to stand up. Uh, you see that he is gray-haired, uh, but not from age, possibly due to stress. He's not much, but uh, in his 40s. Later 40s. As I've mentioned before, my name is Roderick Forrester. And while we are great that you have taken us in, what all with the trouble that's going on in the North, I can't guarantee that this coalition of houses will protect all of Westeros when you have no idea what's happening in the North. Um, as all of you sitting there know, uh, the North, run by Sansa Stark, has essentially been a dead zone for everyone in uh, southern Westeros. Not a lot of communication gets out, um, but as of the past two years, it's been essentially a dead silence. You would get notices of, like, what's going on in the North, like, hey, we're doing alright. But as of the past two years, there's been absolute silence. Nothing getting in, nothing getting out. And House Forester is probably the closest house to the North that used to be within Northern Territory. Uh, but after the sacking of King's Landing and the redistribution of land, um, they've come into a more Southern Territories for a border. As Edmund Tully is going to kind of wave him off. And Silas will stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nor what happens in the South, old man. 
as uh, Doc's Doc's Martell is gonna point at Silas and nod. <laughs> he knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's got a point, you old fool. <laughs> as there's a little bit of a clamor from this dissenting. You know not of the roving bands of outlaws that would destroy our once great alliance from the inside like a festering wound. I... I cannot speak for a house that was essentially gifted to them by a drunken gambler, uh, as Tully is referring to Braun. Oh, and may it be the wisdom of that drunken gambler that restores this country to what it should be, and restores the great house of Oakheart to its once great peak. As there's like a nice little, uh, a nice synchronized hoorah from everyone in the Oakheart stands. Yeah. <laughs> so let us have it out here. Let's, we don't, we need no fancy tournament. I challenge each of you to rush Silas Oakheart right now. <laughs> Alright, I want you... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm gonna have you roll to threaten. So you're gonna roll right. plus edge for me. Roll plus edge, alright. Is there a difference between threaten and ambush? No. Just basically oh, essentially what you're actually doing with it. Okay. Eleven! All of you <laughs> goddamn cowards! As uh, a lot of the houses are submissive after saying this. Uh, Tully, Edmer Tully is shaking at this point. Um, I, 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 uh, we've already established that we, we, we need power from our houses. Enough with the pump, man! I, 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 um, as Edmer, he's looking around to the rest of the great houses. We have already established that the winner of this tournament should be granted a boon. If you wish to flex your power, then do so at the tournament. There's no... This is for talking. This is where... where democracy happens. This is when Rogvir just howls. You just hear him go, <laughs> And he gets up, and he looks towards Oakheart, and he runs up, and he, like, attempts to, like, grab his face. Silas puts his hand around his entire head and stops it. <laughs> I want... <laughs> Holds it like a melon. <laughs> I, Holds it like a melon. But in his hand, it's like an orange. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, Rockbeer, you've run into a very, very strong man. Uh, so oh, no. I, would, I would like you to defy danger at this moment. So you're going to roll plus focus. Okay, okay plus focus. Uh, what's my focus? Probably six. Oh, yeah, it is zero. <laughs> All right. I want to have Marla turn to one of the, my ladies close to me, close to me, and just say, The Southern Lands is so interesting. Oh shit! <laughs> it's a five. <laughs> um, oh god. <laughs> Sir Silas does not know his own strength. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, so as you're gripped within his head, um, you, you f- feel and hear cracking. Uh, he's he's not fully crushing your skull, but he's moving some stuff around that hasn't been moved since your birth, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so you're you're gonna take one harm from this, Rodney. Sil- Silas mutters, "My challenger." <laughs> <laughs>
So I'm, I'm like laying on the floor. Is there like there's like there's like what what do you call those brazens braziers? Braziers. Braziers. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the things the things with fire coming out of it. Oh, oh there's sconces. Yeah, sconces. Sconces. Yeah, sconces. That's what I mean. Um, um <laughs> where you currently are, they're not close. You guys are like in the middle of a little amphitheater kind of setup. Because during that whole conversation, Ragnar was definitely just staring into a fire, yeah. not paying attention to what anything anybody was saying. And I think I think I wanted to roll to see what I saw in the fire concerning uh, Oakheart. Okay, yeah. Ooh. So you're going to roll, let's see if there isn't anything specific. Um, it says, you can see the fates of others in fire's flame, um, or in dreams, or in the waves of the sea. Um, at the beginning of the session. Oh, okay. So this is this is my one vision that I get. Yeah, perfect. So um, roll plus will for me. Will? Okay. Yeah. What's my will? Oh yeah, I got plenty of will. Alright. Thirteen. Ooh, hey. hey, this is Marcus from the Control Group. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at, at @controlgrouppod. That's at C T R L Group Pod. You can always comment, message, tweet to us if you want to suggest a game, say hi, reach out, whatever it is. We'd love to hear it. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. A, l- a moment before this all went down, we see Rogvier staring into the flame as. The low mutters of the past conversation are playing out. Rockvier, the flame is dancing. Dancing around, catching your vision, moving your iris from left to right. You see, within the fire, a tree. And atop this tree, the branches are holding a heart. Oh shit. To which you see another flame slash out against this tree and topple this tree. Oh my god. <laughs> and then replay the scene of you running into <laughs> Sir Upcart and then getting so I, manhandled by him. So I run in, I I run into him, I get my school crush and I'm on the floor and I and I say, The burning of Oakart the burning of Oakart And I'm and I'm like like writhing on the floor and then that's when uh that's when um uh that's when uh, Regal jumps up, grabs him by the like by under his arms, and starts dragging him out, dragging him out. And he goes, I'm, "I I am a, a terribly sorry. I'm, <clears throat> let me take care of this. I will be back very soon. Uh, he just needs uh, um, a changing of pants." And he he like drags him out of the hall. As we're gonna follow that conversation, um, as you're able, perfect. <laughs> uh we follow we follow Regal and Rogvier as you're able to drag him out of this meeting place. Uh you're just right outside the double doors, you have closed them, uh, and you're standing in this very empty courtyard. I look at him and I say, What the fuck, Rogvier? What the actual Ah like like you could see uh you could see Regal getting like visibly upset, but realistically, like he can't do anything to this man because I think Regal like understands like how much power he holds. And I don't think Rogvier says anything, but it's just writhing in pain on the floor. Um and he looks at him and he says, You will stay outside 
by the fountain as I finish this important gathering of individuals. You will be sorry that you committed such an embarrassing act in front of so many important people. And I, like, run out back into the hallway, and I go back into the, um... I go back into the hall and sit down next to my sister. As Rhaegal enters Rogvir, you catch another sconce uh, in the courtyard. Uh, and the fire entrances you again. As Rogvir sees something almost as terrifying as what he had just saw. And we just kind of focus in on his face. Um, of horror. As we move back in, Rhaegal sits down uh, back in the Sun Swelter section as Jaina, unmoving in a very low whisper without even looking at Rhaegal. Um, something must be done about Rogvir. Uh, shit. What would he say? <laughs> probably say something that's what I've been trying to say this entire time but I feel this sort of need to bring him wherever we are it's as if he has some tie on me that I'm just unable to let go of as she's gonna quickly turn to you uh, very curt and like a very whisper yell so no one else hears it but you, but you're definitely getting talking down to. Uh, the mages in red are our only weapon against all of these Westerosi. You keep him in check, or I get rid of you. As she quickly turns back to the rest of the clamoring assembly uh, and stands up. I... Apologize for the act you just saw. As you can see, we are in very scary and dangerous times. It is very hard between our people, the Westerosi and the free city of Bravos. We mean no harm, quite honestly. We just want to make sure that if there's a stake in a brand new world, that we here at House Sunswelter are a part of it. Uh, Rufelius uh, taps his finger twice on his chair, and Silas sits down as well. As Silas sits down, another hulking figure stands up. This man, short haircut, black hair. He's, he's, I would describe him best as, like, bear mode. He's thick, but you can tell that, like, it's a lot of muscle as much as it is fat, you know? Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> I enjoyed this quite a lot, and I am very excited to see how this tournament goes. But please, let's leave the theatrics and dangers till tomorrow. As Gendry Baratheon speaks, he bellows out to the assembly. Oh, damn, he's gotten yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> As Edmer has finally turned the tide of all of this, uh all of the distractions of this assembly. Um, th yes, 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 thank you very much, Gendry. Um, please, um, 
we'll just uh, resume the meeting. We want to give each house a chance to explain why they think they would be the best fit as the defenders of Westeros, really. Uh, as um, Edmure Tully goes and sits back down amongst the Tully people. So I'm going to start with Ruth Elias. Ruth Elias? Yeah. As to why Silas should be yeah. the champion? Yeah, yeah. Ruth Elias stands and staggers a little bit, uh, holding a glass of wine. Um, but if you look closely, you can tell that I don't think he's drunk at all. <laughs> um, he takes it. He takes another sip of wine, places it down with a flourish on a table that's not his own. <laughs> My fellow countrymen, I am not from the Reach. I hail from the uh, the land of Dorne. And he tips his hat to uh, to Docs Martel and his crew. But. I am but a well, a lowly bastard in my home country, and in my travels, as I am wont to do, given a, a generous benefactor. Again, he tips his hat to <laughs> Doc Martel. <laughs> and every time, to- every time you do, the Dornish men raise their goblets of wine. <laughs> it's like a drinking yeah. game. <laughs> and in my travels, I have seen many great things. I have been. To Essos. And he slightly nods towards uh, to Jaina. <laughs> I have seen as far east as we, as we, as uh, the civilized lands go. I've even traveled to the north and seen the remnants of the Great Wall that once held such a grip, a vice-like grip on this land. But I have never seen anything quite as important or quite as powerful as Mr. Silas Okar, Lord Silas Okar. It came to me in a dream, a dream that I later learned that we both shared. I dreamt I was dreaming in a forest, walking, walking through a forest, and I encountered a tree. And the tree from each tree held beating human hearts. And the hearts, as I walked further under the shade of its branches, began to bleed, dripping down on my body, covering me in gore. But did I fear? No. I felt fulfilled. I felt safe. I felt like I was home. And this is one of many things many moments that I have shared with Lord Orcard that proved to me that he is not only the strongest man for the job, the bravest, the noblest, but it is his destiny. And destiny holds sway over all of us, friends. I mean, you can't deny it. And I'm going to I'm going to enjoy his conquest tomorrow quite a lot. There's a little hurrah from the stands of House Oakheart, to which there's a smattering of applause from other houses as well. As some of Oakheart's cronies <laughs> start crying, <laughs> as uh, you'll see, random people raise their goblets and take a drink. 
Um, after Ruthelia sits down, uh, Sir Baroth of House Harwell will stand up. All right, I won't pretend I'm much of a speaker. Uh, I've watched as the pussy pirate was able to hold over Pike so well <laughs> as he's pointing directly to Yara Greyjoy. You can see the, just the biggest shit-eating grin on Yara's face. She loves this nickname. <laughs> I've watched her <laughs> rule over Pike just as well. I figured, how fucking easy can it be? Uh, so I'm throwing my hat in. Uh, and as long as my son Dwyer, as we noticed the young man that had kept on pulling Baroth into his chair earlier, standing next to him as he points to Dwyer, as long as my son Dwyer is next to me, there ain't nothing we can't tie together. And uh, Baroth of House Harwell will sit down. Marla, it's your turn. I speak today on behalf of many, many families and kingdoms across the Vale. You see, many of my famous knights, many of our legends, have been of facing creatures up across the hills, of facing monsters who've come out of the water on our shores. We, though we have many names, we all are of one family. Unlike the competing kingdoms of several other regions, we would never forsake each other. Now my lineage itself is a great one. The Corbrays, holders of hearts, Climbers of peaks. We hold great treasures of our great adventures that so many across the land may not remember. But I can tell you one person who would understand completely the power of my house. And this person shall, of course, be the champion fighting for the Corbrays. At the many bouts of this festival, I speak, of course, of Hero of the Vale, Lord Robin Aaron. <laughs> he shall, of course, be fighting for my family. Uh, Rufelius will tip his cap to Mara and drink a hearty We see Robin clapping, very confused, like nodding and clapping. You see, uh, Regal taking a, a very sarcastic sip of wine. Well, I'll say a little bit more, actually. I'm sorry. Um, and then after those responses, I'll just say, um, and after the results of these events of combat, I shall be able to spread into the far reaches the influence of my family and the other families of the Vale and the mountains and the shores that which we all call home. And these stories and these legends shall continue to live on and become true again. As, once again, a smattering of applause and people taking drinks to House Corbray, the older-looking man from House Forrester will stand back up, uh, his name Roderick Forrester, um, with the help of a very elegant and stunning woman, um, will help him up out of his chair, her in a silken white gown. She helps Roderick to the podium. When 
House Frey betrayed their allegiance to House Stark. I was there at the Red Wedding. Had it not been for a horse falling on top of my body, I don't think I'd be here today. And I certainly don't think I'd be here today if it weren't for my lovely wife, Olena, as he gestures to the immaculate-looking woman next to him. Immaculate? <laughs> as we don't know what's going on in the North. Whatever secret fight or plight they're up to, it won't sit well for the rest of the houses, but if there's anyone that can help with northern allegiances, it is I, Roderick Forrester. Um, and after this very kind of short and sweet speech, um, Elena helps Roderick to sit down. Silas laughs as the old man sits. <laughs> and I want it to be noted that Roderick just looks older than he actually is. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, Writing that down, looks older than he actually is. <laughs> as Jaina is going to step up from her seat, um, as she holds her hand up for you, Rigal, to, like, join her. I smack it out of the way. Uh, no, just... <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> no, 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 I just, I get up, I get up. <laughs> uh, both of you head uh, to the podium. And Jaina, during her speech, kind of goes over much of what she said um, after the Rogvir interruption, um, that she does feel like a stranger in a strange land. Um, at this point, if I could have both Nick and Marcus, if you can roll to manipulate an NPC for me. Um, so that's going to be a roll plus grace. Yeah, I got a 10, Marcus got a 7. All right. Um, as Jaina's speech is going on, uh, Ruthless is able to catch a lot of the eyes of some of the higher houses in the court, uh, to which they nod, especially Dox Martell, um, who gives a very nice sly smile uh, while looking at Ruthless. And as Jaina finishes up her speech, everyone claps, and nearly everyone in assembly raises their goblets and takes a drink to House Sunswelter. At this point, I'd like all three of you to roll to defy danger for me. Ten. Da danger is uh, danger is plus focus. Oh, okay, so both have zero anyway. So I'll be plus one then. I guess normal. Oh shit! I got a four. <laughs> I got a six. All right, perfect. Um, as everyone finishes up their large sip of wine. Um. Rhaegal, you're going to watch as one of Jaina's footmen, his name is Salmon, as Salmon begins coughing silently, he's trying to keep it to himself, uh, but eventually his coughing bursts out quite loud uh, as he's struggling to breathe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run over to the man. Uh, <laughs> Salmon... Uh, quickly, like, grabs onto you with one arm while his other hand is upon his choking throat, uh, as he's kind of, like, slapping you to do something. Rufilius pours out his wine, but didn't take a sip. <laughs> oh, shit. And he, and he takes Silas and does the same. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of that. Man, that... Um... 
shit. I'm gonna uh, urge Jana that uh, Jana to help me uh, drag him outside. Maybe he just needs fresh air. As um, Jana will just have the other footman do her bidding. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, that's probably a good idea. Sends her other uh, well-trusted footman, Descar, with her. As both of you drag out Salmon uh, to the courtyard, uh, Rogvir rushes out um, and kind of pushes both of you away from him. Uh, to which Rogvir will respond with, uh, there's nothing you can do, as he's looking up <laughs> at both of you, uh, as you watch as Salmon chokes to death. Oh no. no! And that's where we'll end this session for today. Dun, dun, dun. Oh shit! <laughs> There's nothing you could do. Damn. Oh, salmon. What an unfortunate name. <laughs> 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 salmon. I barely know her. 